0: Oh my God, I'm chilling. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? (laughs) I we record these on Zoom now, and. I like to name the Zoom meeting as the person we're doing because then files automatically save as that person's name and it just keeps it more organized. So I asked Rach what story she's doing and she said, she texted Herbie versus smells. So, so when you say it fast, it's Herbie versus smells. So fucking gross and childish and I'm just cracking up over it. Here's why. Here's why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Like a decade ago, we went, uh, it was six of us. Good group of friends here in Asheville went to a trivia night at like this local burger joint. And (laughs) and my friend Abe came up with our trivia name and it was Herbie Burrsmiles. First name Herbie, last name (laughs) Burrsmiles. And the the DJ or whoever, the trivia guys reading through all the team names. And they're like, Dave's team, the hot shots, like not perverted names at all. It was not that type of trivia. It was so they got to us, we were so embarrassed. Yeah, it was hilarious. So when <laughs> Rebecca was like, tell me who you're doing so I can name the the Zoom meeting, I was like, oh, easy. Herbie first mouse. <laughs> <laughs> it was not that type of trivia it was very family friendly and we were the disgusting perverts. what did he so was he like oh my god y'all no he on. laughed he was like ah, i get it you know he was funny but everyone else was probably mortified and we were like like ducking in our boots We're like, oh this... like you're supposed to like her, her beaver smells <laughs> no i don't uh, remember maybe yeah oh, okay. <laughs> it has been cracking up hey y'all uh rub here right just telling her story today if you're new here, we are twin sisters. We like a story with the plot twist, a shock factor, and we hate the people responsible for them. So welcome. Yeah. yeah. Welcome. If you are new here, listen back again. We've fixed the audio since episode one, as you can tell. Thank God. Remember Thank we God. talked about that a yeah. few years ago. I don't know when we talked about that. It was, last, it was last episode, I believe, and I cannot even get through re-listening to the first episode because i'm like oh my god it's like we're talking this about. <laughs> please stop did that sound yes it sounded awful okay yeah then that's probably like, how it sounded like that yeah it's so patreon oh no we don't have any Oops. no uh, no. <laughs> oh. no we don't i'm sorry um i do want to call out a reviewer whose title was ice cream is cold sky is blue i feel heard i feel uh-huh. listened to uh-huh. We really appreciate it. Backs around that is that Apple really counts reviews that where you put something. So I said, put anything. Put ice cream is cold, sky is blue, and a listener did. <laughs> I and appreciate I, it. I was like, I remember this. I think it's something you said, but I don't remember the context. And then she reminded me. I was like, oh yeah, that's funny. So yeah, just put whatever. They love to see some words in the review. You yeah. Know? You know, and so I appreciate you person and um, also wanted to shout out a listener, Gloria for um, suggesting confronting a serial killer on Amazon Con- confronting a killer. I think it's serial killer. No, oh, it is. I don't know. I-, I didn't start it. Did you? Yeah, it's on Sam little. It is interesting. People have interviewed him and whatnot. So check that out on Amazon prime and thanks Gloria for the recommendation. It- it's killer. I didn't even mean to do that, but yeah. Yeah. We recorded the February bonus episode yesterday. So by the time this is airing, it's definitely out. It's a doozy. It's y'all. a doozy patrons. Get up on there. Yeah. If you haven't already heard February's bonus episode, I Rebecca covers it me and it's a hell of a survivor story. It's she's crazy. A, yeah. She's a badass. So give that a listen. If you haven't already, this you'll is learn, probably, you'll learn some, Skills, probably some Some survival skills. skills. Yeah, for sure. So, if you want to be prepared, you better better go pay your five bucks and listen. (laughs) Nothing. It's a small price to pay for survival scares. Yeah, for someone who wants to live. Yeah. And then for the March bonus up, it should be available soon by the time this airs. But that's mine. This is Rachel. And we have not recorded yet. So, TBD, but it's going to be a good one too. Who are you doing? why you can't tell me are you trying to screw me over i don't know yet oh. <laughs> oh. i thought i told you that i was like oh my god why are you putting me on the spot oh uh, well it's only mid-february right now so you have a month it's not i know i have time but i thought you're trying to screw me over I'm trying to get you in a situation you can't get out of blow up my spot in front of everyone mm-hmm. it's effed up So, um, I don't know, but I do know it will be good. I promise you that (laughs) you're like, it is shocking. You will not (laughs) believe what happens. I'm like, I I cannot believe we haven't done this one yet. (laughs) All right. Well then get going. Isn't this story pretty long? This one's a doozy too. Okay. What are you waiting on? A written invitation? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was just going to check in now that the episode is out where you said you're pregnant. It's the last. going the last episode last week. I know. So how you feeling? You good? You vomiting? What you doing? No, nauseous. Wish I could have more coffee. Sore titties. Sore titties. Hmm. Uh, hemorrhoids out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm Ew. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um. No, I'm fine. You know. What? When's your doctor's appointment again? February twenty second is when it is, which will be. You know, obviously already passed by the time this airs. Um, Hell yeah. Can't wait. You know, I'll give more of an update then that, you know, this baby's the size of a poppy seed right now. So there's not much to say. Cutie. I know. I love that the app tells you that. Cute. All right. I'm telling y'all today. This is Rachel. Hey, y'all. I'm telling y'all about Sparkle Ray. Why'd you smile? Do you know it? No, it's just an interesting name. Oh, yeah. Sources are Black Girl Gone podcast, Dateline, even though I hesitate to say Dateline because I couldn't actually watch it because the streaming Dateline only goes back to season 22. So I only read a transcript. I don't think that's fair. you still got facts from it, no? Yeah, I know. I know. But there's some video clips I wish I could see, but whatever. Um, And they're not on YouTube. Good God. Uh, The AJC, which is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, it's a local local diverseeducation.com courthousenews.com and Mm wlbt.com sparkle ray was born as sparkle reed on march 23rd 1978 she lived with her father bennett and younger sister keisha in atlanta georgia there isn't much on her birth mom but her dad bennett met and married a woman named donna who had a seven-year-old daughter of her own from a previous relationship all the daughters got along really well. Donna loved Sparkle and Keisha as if they were her own. The feeling Pure. was mutual. They were like one big, happy, blended family. Cute. In high school, Sparkle was a cheerleader and got a scholarship to college where she majored in accounting. College somewhere in Georgia, nowhere says what university it was. Georgia has so many colleges. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of states do, but it. I don't know which college she went to. But- Her social life in college took over her academics, so she eventually lost her scholarship, forcing her to drop out and move back home to Atlanta in 1998 when she was 20 years old. That didn't last long, though, because she eventually decided to move to Louisville, Kentucky to stay with her grandmother and figure out what she wants to do with her life. Hmm. She got a job at the front desk of a travel lodge hotel in Louisville, and this is where she met Rajiv Ray, who goes by Ricky. Ricky was only 18 years old, but he was the manager of the hotel, which his father owned. He grew up in Mississippi and was one of five children of Indian in- immigrants. His dad named Chiman was a math professor at Alcorn State University in Alcorn, Mississippi, which is like an hour and a half outside Jackson, four hours from Oxford, the mm-hmm. greatest city in Mississippi, City Oxford, it, city's town. Called, yeah. City's so generous. You're, yeah. You're using that fast and loose city. Hotty toddy. Yeah, he turned successful businessman who owned a grocery store in Jackson and now owns this travel lodge in Louisville. Ricky's siblings were all thriving, all were getting advanced degrees and doing their parents proud, whereas Ricky had just dropped out of college and just felt like the black sheep, like he felt like he was disappointing his parents. Oh, I know. Ricky and Sparkle started dating and Mm -hmm. things were getting serious. They fell in love pretty quickly, but Ricky kept it a secret from his family because Sparkle was black and he knew his family would be disappointed he wasn't with an Indian girl. Uh, so he was like, mom's the word. But eventually they found out, not really sure how, but they did and told him they that he needed to end the relationship. Ricky said, no, he was in love. And if he had to pick, he chose Sparkle. oh. Ricky's family even offered Sparkle ten thousand dollars to break up with him and she was like no but thanks oh, oh wow that is I know love real love true, true love. love true love in the late 90s it's they've probably been dating not that long
1: yeah it's a lot of money yeah. sure like,
0: oh okay I'm only 18. Like, yeah I'm tw- I'm 20 what? he's 18. whatever uh, yeah I'm We're 20. young probably not gonna get married anyway according to statistics so <laughs> Let's do it. Ricky, you want to <laughs> split this? <laughs> All right. Cool. All right, good for up? her. No, she's sweet. Yeah. And good thing she didn't. Well, I guess, yeah, you could, you could look at this as good thing. didn't Because in February, 1999, Sparkle found out she was pregnant. Mm. Even though they're young, again, he's 18, she's 20. They're excited to be parents. Bennett and Donna, Sparkle's dad and stepmom, hadn't even met Ricky yet. And obviously, we're not thrilled about the pregnancy. But in May 1999, Sparkle and Ricky moved to Atlanta so they could be closer to Bennett and Donna. And when they met Ricky, all their their minds were eased. He Aww. was clearly in love with her. He was very attentive, always checking on her. They just loved him. Oh, So they're like, great. Now we're amped that you're home and we're going to have a little BB we can help out with. Cute. Mm-hmm. What, For a, them- what a way to turn a... Potential bad situation into a good one, like a positive one. I and mean, I'm mean, glad they were excited and everything. But god if I found out I was pregnant at 20, my life I would I would see my life is over. I know it, no. it would really be helpful if I had a supportive, excited family. so oh, yeah, good for them. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Mm-hmm. For the most part, Ricky's family kept their distance. They already didn't like the relationship. Now Ricky well, was screw them. I know Ricky was locked in for life since she was pregnant, so they're just like, all right good riddance ricky and sparkle weren't in atlanta long before they moved to columbus georgia because bennett's cousin walter owned a store there and hired ricky to work bennett and donna drove to columbus a lot of weekends and helped ricky and sparkle prep for the baby who they found out was a girl cute cute in october 1999 they welcomed baby anala which in hindu means fiery one (laughs) so cute yeah by this point they're back in atlanta I'm not sure why or when they moved back from Columbus, but now they're living in an apartment in Union City. Also that month, Ricky got bad news. Hmm. His dad died of diabetes-related complications, and Ricky had to go to India for the funeral. Oh. So Ricky goes to India, and within days of his return to Georgia, on October 29th, 1999, the most catastrophic tropical cyclone on record hits Odisha, India, impacting 12 districts and killing 10,000 people, including his mom. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. So within a couple of weeks, Ricky lost his mom and dad. So 1999 ended with a happy birth of their daughter, but the loss of two grandparents, mm-hmm. but new millennium. They're going into 2000 with a fresh start. Y2, <laughs> Y2K, y- Y2K wasn't a thing. So everyone's in good spirits. Yes. Yeah, Y2K panic subsided and we were good. That clock struck midnight and not a damn thing happened. Hmm. Who knew? And in March 2000, Ricky and Sparkle got married. Cute. Great. Shit's about to get weird. The day of their wedding, Bennett's cousin Walter in Columbus said that someone called the store looking for Ricky. It was Ricky's mom. What? Walter was like, you're dead. (gasps) And called Bennett, his cousin, and told him what happened. Sparkle, Donna, and Bennett were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you lie about that? What happened? happened? Ricky essentially is like, I don't know. He didn't have an answer. Wait. I don't. Ricky, sorry, Ricky lied about it? Yeah. He shouldn't die on the cyclone. What is wrong with him? He did not have an answer. He was just like, I don't know. So after that, Sparkle's aunt is like, this shit's weird. Calls Ricky's mom to tell her what Ricky said and that Ricky and Sparkle were now married. His mom obviously is not happy about that, the <laughs> fake death or the marriage. And Ricky was pissed at the aunt when he found out that she called her. But what, what's done was done. Now his mom knows. Just a weird ass situation. Did he tell Walter that too, his cousin? I can't believe Walter wasn't like, what? How are you calling? You're, Ricky said that you're dead. I don't did, know. Did they not? They clearly, they lost touch. You said he was back in Atlanta by that time. So maybe yeah. age, he just... Yeah, maybe he didn't even know that Ricky said that, or maybe he was like, Okay, I'll tell him you called and was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Weird situation. He didn't necessary. Unnecessary. Have an <laughs> Very unnecessary. Okay. I don't know. He, I mean, did he just want attention? I, I don't know. know. Anyway, about a month after the wedding on April 26, 2000, Ricky came home and found Sparkle's body covered in blood. <clears throat> She had been strangled with a vacuum cord and stabbed more than a dozen times. Yikes. Six-month-old Inala was sitting just a few feet from her. Oh. Completely unharmed. Didn't Good. touch the baby. Detective Lee Brown was assigned to the case and said it was very much a rage kill, overkill. Someone was clearly mad at mm-hmm. Sparkle. There was no forced entry, no sexual assault. Nothing was taken from the apartment. So I'm sure you'll be shocked to learn that Sparkle definitely knew her killer. Yeah. For sure. The killer was also very thoughtful about the crime. He cut the phone cords and left almost no physical evidence. There was a shoe print in blood, but aside from that, no DNA, no fingerprints, no fibers. Clean as a damn whistle. Cops are walking around, and by this point, Ricky, Donna, and Bennett are all at the apartment. Bennett is inconsolable. Ricky is talking to the police and holding Anala, but they do know how calm he is. Mm. Her usual, the spouse is the first suspect. Of course so they take ricky down to the police station and question him for eight hours throughout all this he's calm calm cool collected they ask if he touched sparkle when he saw her and he says no they press him on that and they're like you walk in and see your wife covered yeah. in blood and don't immediately run to her and he said he wasn't sure what what to think but anala was crying so he ran to her first mm. while police are suspicious ricky has a rock solid alibi he was at work all day That was confirmed. There was no way he committed this murder. Yeah, well, murder for hire is a thing. thing. They send him home, and he's not charged with anything, and the case goes cold. There's no evidence. Nothing. They got nothing. Oh, my God. This another weird-ass bizarre thing. During this time, it's so weird, Ricky gave Anala to Sparkle's parents, Bennett and Donna, saying he couldn't give her the future she deserved and moved to Chicago. No. No, see, you're not not leaving. No, you're not doing this. You're not abandoning your child who just lost her mother in a horrific way. Bennett and Donna started the adoption process, and Ricky never contested it. He just gave her up and disappeared, and they never saw him again. Ever? Like, he's out of the story forever now? No, but for a while, he would call and check in on her. That stopped. And at the time this dateline aired, which was 2009, they had not seen him in person since. God. This was... So they're going on a decade. They did not see him in person. And they still met. I I don't think they still have. Oh, so he's not in jail. So you're telling me he's not the one who did this. Or he may be. Okay. We'll see. Okay. Shut your mouth when you're talking to me. (laughs) But so he just completely disowned his daughter after this.
1: That is terrible.
0: In Chicago, he started a new life. Nobody there knew about his old life. No one. On the one-year anniversary of the murder, Bennett went on TV and offered a $5,000 reward to anyone with information leading to an arrest, but no one came forward. What? Sorry, this can be just between me and you. Remind me who Bennett is again. (laughs) Sparkle's dad. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's so nice. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, if you think our listeners need a reminder, we can keep that. All the pregnant ones do. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. In case anyone has mommy brain. We can keep that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's funny. Sparkle's case goes cold for four years. Oh my God. In January, 2004, Atlanta police were involved in a high speed chase. They caught up to the driver and she was arrested on a drug charge.
1: You're like, so what?
0: Yeah. And what do do I care? Next, what does this Mm -hmm. have to do with Sparkle? Well, I'll tell you. This chick turned out to be a crucial piece of the puzzle to Sparkle's case. While in custody, she told police she knew what happened. In fact, she was there. Whoa, okay. Back in 2000, her cousin Cleveland Clark asked her and her friend to come with him on what they thought was a drug deal. They pulled up to a Sparkle's apartment in Union City. Cleveland tells the two girls to go knock on the door and see who was there. They're like, all right. So they do it. They come back to the car and they tell Cleveland it's a young girl. Cleveland's like, great go back to the door and come up with a reason that you're knocking again, but I'm coming with you. (gasps) No. So they knock and ask to use the restroom. Mm -mm. Sparkle says yes and turns around to let them in, at which point the 300-pound ex-con, Cleveland Clark, attacked her with such force she didn't have time to throw her arms up and shield herself from the knife. (gasps) Isn't that scary? Yes. He's huge. He then wrapped the vacuum cord around her neck and strangled her until she stopped moving. What the hell? I know. The three left the apartment. And on the way home, they stopped at a grocery store where Cleveland got a wire transfer from Western Union, which is, as you know, very sketchy. Mm -hmm. Then Cleveland got on the phone and obviously, especially especially after a murder. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sure. Untraceable. Sure. Mm -hmm. Except it is traceable. So Mm. then Cleveland got on the phone Obviously, they could only hear his side of the story, but he says, it's done. Give me a damn so, wait, He he calls someone mm-hmm. and says, and all he says is, it's done and hangs yeah. up. Uh, yeah. So it was like a murder for hire. Yeah. So, well, we'll see. Atlanta police called the detective working on Sparkle's case to come hear the story. They also brought in the woman's friend who confirmed that's true. They go on the hunt for Cleveland Clark. They find that he's in prison serving time for armed robbery. Mm-hmm. They go question him about Sparkle's case, but he refuses to talk. So they start looking into the connection between he and Sparkle, and there's not one. He he did not know her whatsoever. Well, yeah, because he told the girls to go knock and see who answers. Right. Like a girl.
1: Like, yeah. He's not
0: like, ask her name or something. Right, like, right. So not very random. Very, uh, not surprising considering the story, yeah, that the it's done, the Western Union- someone hired him to go uh, yeah but hey, obviously okay. yeah they look into the money wire from western union and find the transactions there were three money orders for cleveland clark and the amounts of four hundred dollars five hundred dollars and six hundred dollars they were each sent on april 16th 19th and 24th 2000 they were all sent from the same person willie evans he was a 74 year old man from jackson mississippi Willie was born and raised in Jackson. He didn't finish school. He was illiterate, but very street smart. Mm -hmm. Because of the wire transfer and the phone records that showed that's who Cleveland called to say it's done, it was clear the two dudes are connected. You know him. You know him, Willie. Detectives go to Willie and he at first denies it. He's very uncooperative, but detectives tell him they have records. They know he's lying, but the detective wants to like get in his head. So he's like, I'll just leave you alone to think about it for a little while, but we know you're lying. Yeah. After a few weeks, Willie starts calling the detectives to meet. They pretend they're disinterested. They're like really fucking with him. Mm. They could tell he was getting more and more frantic with each message that he left like they were like ignoring him. And he's <laughs> like, "Wait, please call me back." Yeah. So detectives are like, "Hey, glad you came around. Let's chat. We are down for it." They meet Willie at a Hilton hotel in Jackson, and when they walk in, Willie had a friend with them named Herbert Green. Herbert is 6 years old, also from Jackson. Detectives are like, "Who the hell is this? Why is he here? Does he have a connection to this?" Herbie, Herbie versus smells. I, I know. I mean, when I said his name, I knew you were going to take it back to Herbie. Herbie versus smells. Gross. <laughs> it's so gross. Um, sorry. Yeah. So, so like, who the hell are you? And what, what are we doing here? Why are you bringing friends to this? Well, Herbert Green is Chime and Ray's business partner. Ch- Chime and Ray is in Ricky's dead dad. Uh huh. But we're going to be a family connection there yeah well quick correction on that he is not dead what the hell no one's dead ain't nobody dead except, except sparkle, sparkle. Is, she, is she actually dead
1: yeah turn that
0: around on me oh. unfortunately so they plan this the parents who planned who hired what's his face to murder so, well planned their own death or faked his own death well quick update ricky lied about both parents being dead jesus and looking back, Donna, Sparkle's stepmom did say when he went to India for the dad's funeral, I'm air quoting, he was back really quickly. Like he was, she was like, that was a very quick trip for India. Yeah. That's because he wasn't dead at all. He wasn't even in India. He was alive and well living back in Jackson, Mississippi, not far from Willie and Herbie. Oh my God. I'm changing it to Herbie. The DA, Paul Howard, offered Will- Willie and Herbert a deal. Tell tell them the truth about what the hell is going on and everything about Sparkle's murder, and they won't go to jail. Sweet deal. Right. And he warned if they lied, he would find out, and he would be incarcerated with Chimons, so do not play. Oh, uh, incarcerated? I mean, no, but they're oh, pretty well, certain they've figured it out by now. Yeah. So Willie and Herbert, tell them exactly what happened. They acted as middlemen to a murder-for-hire plan plotted by Chimons Ray. As you know, Sparkle's father-in-law. Mm-hmm. and approached Herbert to find someone to kill Sparkle. Herbert approached Willie, who approached Cleveland Clark. Geez, I know you're getting a lot of people involved. Uh-huh. Cleveland Clark said, sure, for 10000 no problem. It's a, it's a good story, interesting, adds up, but they needed proof. So they put a hidden camera on Herbert and asked him to go meet with Chiman at his hotel. Herbert told Chimmon he wanted to meet with them because Atlanta police were contacting him about the murder and he was worried about it. Mm-hmm. So the camera's rolling. They're watching the whole thing. Herbert walks into the hotel and behind the front desk is Ricky's mom. Again, not dead. Mm-hmm. They're making small talk and Herbert asks, asks about Ricky and she says, he's good. He just married an Indian girl. Oh, In Chicago, he met and married an Indian girl who has <gasps> no no idea about Sparkle. No idea about Nala, nothing about his past. He, he had no idea about, she had no idea about any of this. Finally, Chimam walks up and the two are talking. Herbert's like, the police have been in my house twice. I have not talked to them. They're asking about the murdered girl. I need $5,000 to skip town. And if I go down, you're going down with me, essentially. Mm. He's just like, there you go. The police wanted there to be a money exchange. That was part of the plan. Yeah, there has to be. Well, I guess it's just talk. yeah. If he gives them money to bounce, Yeah. That was reason enough to arrest him because an innocent person would never do that. Mm-hmm. So Chaman's like, I don't have $5,000. I can give you 500. Just keep them. Just keep telling them you don't know anything. Just deny it. And if we end up going to jail, then oh well. Like is <gasps> Fuck you, man. Not concerned at all. But. Herbie did a great job because they had exactly what they needed. And in September 2006, 68-year-old Chiman Ray was charged with murder. Mm -hmm. The trial starts and the prosecution argues that Chiman was a racist who was pissed his son married a black girl. Which, that was true. Well, there's back and forth, you'll see. Yeah. They had a fellow inmate testify about time he spent with Chiman in jail, and he told the court that Chiman said he hated N-words and wishes he could get rid of all of them. Jesus. He also told the court that Chiman confided in him that he had spent a lot of money at one point to, quote, protect his family. (laughs) Chill asshole. Right. Ricky takes a stand. He admits he lied to his parents about he and Sparkle's relationship because they would not have approved. He also said that he lied about his parents being dead because he wanted to avoid all future questions about why they weren't in his daughter's life. So that somewhat explains, I don't know why he didn't say that the first time he had, had several years to think about it, I guess. Right. He's like, oh, that's a good excuse. And like, I don't, how many people are going to ask personal questions like that? What happened well, with your parents? Why aren't they in your daughter's life? Like, it's not your damn business. Well, I think he was saying he didn't want his daughter to uh, know that uh, to be like, well he they hate your mom because she's black uh he, right, right he just wanted to like protect us until they're dead yeah. yeah he also said they moved to atlanta while sparkle was early in her pregnancy and not showing yet in order to get away from his parents and hope they would never find out never look for him just like cut ties but they did look for him in fact his parents hired a private detective to find out exactly where they were living Oh God, they are psychopaths if they are the responsible for this, which sounds like they are. Yeah. According to the prosecution, Chiman had been wanting to arrange a marriage for Ricky, but obviously couldn't do that when he was married to someone else. So that's when he went to Herbert and told him that this girl was causing him problems and he needed her to be killed quickly. Some may argue that he's the fucking problem, but right. I. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. God, everything was happy. They're a happy family. Happy little no. baby. What get problem? Over yeah, get over it. God. Cleveland's cousin and her friend obviously testified with their story, which the prosecutors point out was Cleveland's number one mistake because he would have never been caught. The prosecution says, quote, while the killer was very good about not leaving any forensic evidence, he left a big, big mistake because he left not one, but two eyewitnesses to the crime. Okay, can I add, a, insert a comment? Sure. been thinking about it. It's so weird, the brutality of his murder, like murder for hire. Just you want it quickly. Just like shooter, which I know is gruesome. I don't want to say that, but like stat overkill. Yeah. And, like, so personal. Like you don't know this chick. I know. That's so weird. Okay. Well, the defense kind of touches, touches on this. that. Yeah. Okay. A little bit. They play the video for from the hidden camera when Herbert pays Chymon a visit, which is also very damning because at no point is Chymon like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. <laughs> Nate, come, come on. For, yeah. I mean, it's rock solid. Mm-hmm. Well, the defense argues that Chymon was not a racist and had a lot of support from the African-American community. They had several people testify that he was in no way racist. He taught at Alcorn State, which is a historically black university. They pointed out that many of his businesses were in predominantly black communities. He treated every black customer with great respect. They never heard him say a bad word about a black person. Then they got Ricky back on the stand for cross-examination and asked him if he, if for his family, getting an education first and foremost was the most important in which Ricky said yes. So they say, so it wasn't that she was black, even if she were Indian, this still would have been a problem. Like the fact that he dropped out of school and he said, yes. So the issue was with you dropping out of school, not Sparkle. And he's like, sure. Then they got Ricky's brothers on the stand who also they all vouched for their dad, one of which said he dated a black girl and his dad had no problem with it, hmm. which I think could be argued. How old? Like, were they young? How old? She, she didn't get pregnant. You didn't marry her. Like, right. Like if they're like 15, you're like, OK, yeah, sure, sure. Right. So but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it was in adulthood and. It, maybe he actually didn't have a problem with it the defense said that William herbert hired cleveland on their own but not to murder sparkle they hired him to rob her and steal all the drugs and that was essentially a robbery gone wrong did the she do drugs well the two they got herbert on the stand and asked him about that and he said he did hear that she did drugs but that theory is not true but he mm-hmm. was like i i do think she did drugs the two women witnesses did also testify that when they were in the apartment, Cleveland kept asking where the drugs were, and they and he like was going through cabinets, like looking. Oh. Mm. The robbery gone wrong theory could also be proven by the way she was killed, with the cord of her own vacuum cleaner and a common kitchen knife, which shows it wasn't planned. He didn't go in there with weapons. Oh, it was her. It was her knife. They never. They didn't find it, but they could tell based on her injuries yeah. that it was common. Nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they think it was probably from her kitchen, but he took it with him. Um, but he strangled her with her own cord like that. It just didn't seem planned. Yeah. But then the prosecution played more of the hidden camera video and it is, I mean, what can you do? Herbert green says, I did this murder for you. You know what I did? Don't you chime says you did it for me. <gasps> Herbert, I mean, it's like, he's you like can feeding him. Yeah. yeah. You're like feeding him exactly what he needs. The jury found found Chiman guilty of felony, murder, and burglary. I don't know. I don't get the burglary. Maybe I don't know. By way of Cleveland. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. The prosecution was going for the death penalty, but he was sentenced to life without parole plus 25 years. Mm. Cleveland Clark's trial started and he had several outbursts. It it reminds me of our last episode now that I've I listened don't. to it. He has several outbursts. He's like banging his fists on the table, yelling. I at love him. theatrics. I mm. didn't kill no woman. At one point, he started yelling obscenities and ranting to the point where the judge cleared out the jury of like, the room. This he is was inappropriate. Like, he was, he was just losing his mind. He was like, "If there's a good way to sway the jury, this is it." So y'all got to get out of here, am <laughs> So he was found guilty and sentenced to death. Ooh, when asked to reconsider the death penalty, the prosecutor said, quote, he sealed no. his own <laughs> quote, no. <laughs> said, quote, he sealed his own fate with his outbursts. Yeah. Sorry. Death penalty stands. Do you have videos of the outbursts? Like what did what he say? No, that's what oh. I'm saying. It is so irritating. I've oh. got to find it. I was like knee deep in YouTube. This does is does what does that do? Does it say like what he screamed? Like what obscenities did he scream? Uh, Oh, no, I didn't say that. Okay. The only quote they said was he was banging on the table. I didn't kill no woman. He is still trying to deny it. That's interesting. Uh, Willie and Herbert each got 10 months probation since they helped with the prosecution. In 2013, Bennett sued Chiman for wrongful death on behalf of his grandchild and for his daughter's pain and suffering. The trial court awarded the grandchild $2.5 million for wrongful death. If, did she it, get it I, I i couldn't find if she actually got it but he was they were rich so yeah okay he was a successful businessman so maybe i hope and that's the, <laughs> i don't know how to end it either wait that's the story of spark poor sparkle ray poor sparkle ray the dad like he he was in on it no What's his name? Uh, Ricky. Ricky. Isn't that the weird? No, he was not convicted of anything, charged with with anything. He, no. He says he did, had no He's idea. He's like, I'm a dirtbag who ran out on my daughter after her mother was murdered. But look, I'm no, I didn't, I didn't kill. set this shit up. Yeah, this is crazy. Oh my no, God. I think, I think that's the, that's how it is. He is a dirtbag, but they had just found out about his wedding and, Barely a month later, she's murdered. I don't think he had anything to do with that.
1: I yeah, just don't. I
0: guess not. Like, I just cannot believe you abandoned. It's just so weird. Like, you were so excited, so happy. You're going to get married. You're in love. And just, mm-hmm. like, to completely dip out. Yeah. Like, that is some denial shit. That kind of reminds me of Charlie Brandt, that whole situation. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. the dad just like swept under the rug, wanted to not start a new life and just forget everything ever happened. I'm like, but you can't, you have a live, you have a human being you created. You can't just forget about it. Yeah. Like she's still, she's still here and exists and you need to show her love and cuddles. I know. I know. I no, I think he's just a dirt bag and didn't have that. Or maybe he was 18 when she got pregnant. So he's a kid. And maybe he like was going to stick it out for Sparkle, but then he was like, well, I guess yeah. there's no reason to. Bennett and Donna love this baby. I'm just going to go back to single life in Chicago. There's no reason like, to. A, Your piece daughter. Yeah, oh, yeah. Trust, a piece of shit. Yeah, I trust. I think he's a piece of shit, but I actually don't think he had anything to do with this. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? Yes, poor Sparkle Ray. I know. Poor Nala. Or Anala, who's an adult now. Oh, it's Anala. I can't that's I Anala. Like uh A N A L L A. Oh, okay. Oh my God. That is so sad. hmm I know. We're well, good. Um one. thanks. Awesome. and thank y'all. <laughs> I don't know how to end these episodes. Can someone write us an outro that we say every single time and we're feeling good about it and confident and we don't awkwardly end up with like, okay, y'all. Thanks. Have a good day. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. All right. Uh, but, but seriously, until, have a good day. Yeah. Until then. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> have a good day.